0: Prologue. Damn, I thought I'd be better by now. I still hear the loud sizzle in my ear that drives me crazy. I can't be still. Ouch, Better, that hurts. I'm pleading with her while holding my ear. You've got to stop shaking so much. I'm not trying to burn you. Your scalp is tender. I had to let that relax stay on long to get the kinks out. Your hair is hard to straighten since you've been wearing it nappy. Oh, I mean natural so long. I'm almost finished. If she only knew why I'm shaking so much. If she only knew why I haven't straightened my hair in such a long time. Only a few people knew about my illness. But I'm better now. It's just a damn hair thing. I can't get past that part. I wish the curling iron didn't make that noise. The sizzling sound of my hair wrapping around the hot curling iron and the white foam it makes while molding the hair into a perfect spiral curl still haunts me. It's amazing how things can sound alike, even if they're not the same. There's a big difference between a hot curling iron and a hot crack pipe. But to me, they have a lot in common. The sizzling noise the hot curling iron makes when it's curling hair that's just been sprayed with spritz is identical to the sound of cocaine burning in a crack pipe. I feel weak as I stand up from a chair and ramble through my purse looking for two dollars bills to pay them. It's not much different from paying my dealer after getting high on crack either. But it doesn't take as long. Damn, I've been in this beauty shop for almost three hours. It'll be dark soon. And I don't like being out at night. You look good with that hair sh- haircut, Mary. I wish you'd let your hair stay straight. You never get a man with that nappy hair. Let me put you down for next month. That new growth would look bad if you don't keep it straightened. Vera said this as she placed her hands on her large, round hips with a proud look on her face. No, Vera. I'll call you when I'm ready to come back. My scalp is so sore. I don't know if I'm ready for this. It looks nice, though. Maybe I'll get a boyfriend and then it'll inspire me to come back. I smiled while saying this. Knowing full well I wasn't coming back, nor did I want a boyfriend. Hell, if I need to look good to get a man, then I'd have to look that way all the time to keep him. I was just more concerned about getting out of there and getting some fresh air. I felt like vomiting. It had been six years since I smoked crack and over three years since I straightened my hair. Now I'm reliving the scene again. I wanted a new look and mostly wanted to see if the noise of the curling iron would still bother me. It did bother me. Nothing had changed. The curling iron still reminded me of a pipe when it's good and hot and ready to be smoked. A good hit from the pipe makes a loud sizzle and better had made some noises with the curling iron this evening. My poor scalp was sore from the tight, tiny curls she meticulously placed in neat little rows all over my head. Now, I'll have to cut my hair off and start wearing it natural again. Oh, well, it's just her. The drive home was going to be long. I didn't even know home is where I wanted to go. Maybe I should go to an AA meeting, I thought to myself. The meeting only lasted an hour. I could make it home before dark if I hurried. I didn't feel like I wanted to use crack again, but I became nervous from the long wait at the beauty shop. While driving, I couldn't decide whether to go home first and then go to the AA meeting. I've always had a problem with directions. It seems as if I can only go to an unknown destination from a familiar starting point. It's absurd, but I'm a one-way joke. I decided to drive straight to the meeting, and as usual, I got confused and ended up lost. Now, I don't even know how to get home without going back to the beauty shop and starting all over. It's getting late. Damn. This is Mary E. Sims, the author of Going Home Another Way, and several other books. But right now, I want to talk about my very first book, which is Going Home Another Way. This book was written from my diary. And I started writing this diary in 1997. After I had, you know, been on drugs for, I'd say about three years, almost three years, the the crack cocaine did me really bad real quick. And I knew I had to stop or I I was going to die. So I began to just pray and and call on the God that I knew and, and just ask for guidance. So, I, I'll start by saying, I've always heard an audible voice. My intuition plays audibly. I don't have a good feeling. I Sometimes I do, but mostly it's a, a voice. And the voice is my voice. But this particular time, I was... Running, I had a small upholstery shop in downtown Dallas, and I was taking a break and just sitting. And the end of the day, and if you if you are, went through a drug rehab, you know that in the evening and the nights, that's the hardest time because that's when you you get the urges the most, and you want to go call your dealer or do something at night. But this particular evening, late in the evening, I was just saying, "God, I want to not be afraid of relapsing." That was a, just a scary. I, I relapsed so many times, and it's just, it's just scary. And you, you, you feel like you walk in a tightrope. But at this particular time, I had been clean for almost three years. And you would think that after three years, I would know how to do it without being afraid. But I was just afraid. And the way I made it th- that far was when I would get off work, I would go straight home. And, but they told us not to drink in the AA, but I, I still would drink my wine and I would take, um, these are uh, over-the-counter sleeping medications. If you, if I, if I would just go to sleep the early part of the night, I knew I could make it. So that's how I made it. But this particular evening, I was just saying, "Ooh, I don't even want to go through that no more." I didn't because I think I was out of all out, out of sleeping pills. And but this voice that I told you about earlier says to me. I mean, in know, just we had a conversation. If you want to be free from fear of relapse, you've got to write your way out of this. Write in a diary. And I said to myself, hmm, I hadn't heard the voice just talk that long, you know. So I said, well, I would write in a diary, but... I don't like writing. I wrote so much by hand when I was in school until I had gotten a, a, a callus, just a knot on my my um, middle finger. And and just writing too long irritates it. So I say, oh, if I had a computer, I would start writing in a diary. Just to, you know, appease the voice. But, you know, I would, I knew I wasn't going to buy A computer, so (laughs) I thought I was getting away with it. But I did say, if I had a computer, I would write. Okay, I say about a week or so later, a customer came in to pick up his sofa. And he was happy. He was telling me how beautiful the sofa was, Mr. Murphy. And he said, oh, my goodness, I love it. I love it. And I started, you know, pulling out his receipt because I think he owed me like $400. And as I was getting the receipt, he says, Mary, don't write that receipt out. I'm going to give you a computer, lessons, and a printer for the balance. And I, before I knew it, I was getting ready to say something. And I took a deep breath, was getting ready to spew the words out and just as it was coming in my throat I remembered I told the voice if I had a computer I would write and somehow I sucked those words back down in my diaphragm and just said okay Mr. Murphy, that's a deal so that's how I got that computer Mr. Murphy, he taught me how to use a computer and he told me not to be afraid of it because I would pick with one finger, that pointer finger. And he was telling me how to use two, both hands and don't be afraid of the keyboard. Set up the printer and just it was just lessons. I think it lasts about two weeks of lessons. And I got pretty good with it. And my son, he was in college. He was proud of me. He said, Mama, you're really doing good with this. He said, I'm going to get you another, uh, another computer for the shop, and you can just take this thing home. And we'll install QuickBooks so you can actually keep records of your business. I said, what? He said, yeah, because you're moving on up in the, the new age and the age of information. I'll teach you everything about QuickBooks. So I surrendered and let him do what he wanted to do. He set up the new computer in the office, and then he took the computer home and reset it up there. And at nighttime, when I got off from work, I would just go in and, and type, type, type. And I finally, uh, well, I, I he, Mr. Murphy showed me how to use uh, the word, uh, do a word document. So I pulled up a word document and started typing and didn't have a title either, but I just would type, just write, write, write. And I even put a password on this document because it was it was gonna really go deeper than in my my gut than I want anyone to see. So but every evening when I got off from work and even late at night, I would type telling my story and my diary about my fears, my beginning. And and even the voice told me how to start the diary because I didn't know, what do you do? Uh, Here I am, uh, almost 45 years old and starting a diary. Where do I start? And the voice says, just start from the beginning, your very first memory. And I, I just started there, and, and it, it progressed. And I began to learn how to write things in chronological order. So when I was writing, there were times as I got deeper into my life. That was some very, very sad moments. When my mother died, I cried. Just writing that part was rough. But we're going to fast forward to the beginning of this book, Going Home Another Way. I had, the diary was big. I mean, I knew it had to be about a hundred and some odd pages, even over a hundred. Yeah, because this particular night I was writing a part about the drugs, how the drugs did me. And it made me really sick. I I was just sick to my stomach. And I I, I knew I was going to vomit. So I got up from the desk and ran to the bathroom and vomited. And I didn't go back into the office and log off my diary. I just went and washed my face and went to bed. That morning when I got up, My youngest son was sitting at the computer. And when I walked in, I saw my diary on the screen. And my mouth just flew open. I said, oh, Tony, I forgot to log off last night. Oh, I'm sorry. He said, mama, I'm reading this. He said, I knew you were on drugs, but I didn't know it was like this. And I was so embarrassed. And he said, This is going to be a book. And I said, No, it's not. This is, uh uh-uh, uh, no. Uh uh-uh, uh, this is my, uh uh-uh. uh. We went back and forth for a few moments. He said, Uh uh-uh, let me show you how is, I'm going to print this out. And he printed out nine or 10 pages. He said, Mama, this is a book. Once we reorganize it and do it like it's supposed to be, this is a book. This is going to help so many people. He said, this is your life. I said, oh, my God. So I surrendered again <laughs> and began to, you know, do what he told me to do to make it into a book. And that's how going home another way got started, basically. And what I'm going to do is just read you. because me I had to start a beginning and he my son told me how to do that he said, write you a prologue and he said, let the prologue be about when you had to stop straightening your hair And I said, stop straightening my hair." He said, yeah, you remember how the sound of the curling iron would make you want to go back to the sizzling sound I said, oh. He said, write about that. And it doesn't have to be that many pages, but write about that. And that's the prologue to the book. So I said, okay. And I obeyed and I wrote the prologue and I wrote it in a day. So let me read you the prologue. Excuse me.